I believe last time we were together, we were in the book of Philippians. <laughs> so look there, if you will, with me, Philippians chapter 3. And we'll begin our reading this morning in verse 17 and read through the remaining verses of this chapter this morning. Paul writes, Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame who mind earthly things. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Let's go to the Lord. Father, we humbly bow before you, the people who recognize that we are needy, we are needy of your grace, of your strength, your mercy, Lord, of your provision that you made in Jesus. So as we open the Word of God this morning, as Paul has exhorted this church at Philippi to follow after Jesus, so may we also do the same. May we glean the truth from your Word this morning to understand the importance of following after that which is superior, he who is superior to all others, which is our Lord Jesus. And may you receive the glory by what is done and the product, the fruitfulness of our lives because of the Spirit dwelling within, working that which you have purposed, receiving glory and honor through us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you and be seated. A few weeks ago, we began our examination of the third chapter of Paul's epistle to the Philippians, at which time I explained that there are five divisions within this third chapter. We saw verse 1, Paul explains his effort to provide a safeguard for the church. In verses 2 through 6, making up the second division, Paul exposes the error of the Judaizers who attempted to deceive the church. And Paul again addresses those within this passage we've read this morning. Uh, Number 3, or the third division, verses 7 through 11, Paul declares the superiority of knowing Jesus. Verses 12 through 16, Paul affirmed his desire and commitment to grow in the knowledge of Christ, which is where we have spent our time over the past several weeks that we have been together. And then verses 17 through 21, which we have read this morning, making up the fifth division of this chapter and concluding the chapter, Paul exhorts the church to follow his example in commitment to know Christ or in knowing Christ. Now, during our last time in this, of study in this epistle, we concluded the fourth division in which Paul again expressed his undying desire to continue growing in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ in verses 15 through 16. And in verse 15, we see Paul mentions the word perfect, and the word perfect in this verse is an adjective, and it means mature, um, whereas I believe it's in verse 12 we find the word perfect or perfected as well, in which it is referring to not, it is actually uh, referring to being completed or finished in in um, contrast to this in verse 15, meaning that of mature, and obviously referencing spiritual maturity specifically. Paul exhorted the church at Philippi to recognize and to embrace the unity and spiritual maturity in which they had grown as provided by God's Spirit. As we discovered when Paul charged uh, those who were spiritually mature, he did so by saying that they were to be thus-minded. And he was referring to, to that which he had previously declared concerning his own mindset. In verses 13 and 14 we read, 
Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. We need to be reminded of this. I know I mentioned this a few weeks back, but in this passage, this passage is so often misrepresented or taken completely out of its context, removed totally from its context, and people talking about how we need to forget our yesterdays and look to our tomorrows. That is not what Paul is talking about here at all when he says that he does not count himself to have apprehended. Again, he's saying, I have not yet fully grasped or laid hold to that of, of that to which I have been grasped and laid hold of by God himself. So God has laid hold of me. This is his eternal redemptive purpose so that this redemption I have received there is now a purpose of this redemption being lived out in my life. He says, I have yet to fully have grasped or laid hold of this in completion or in fullness. And so he says, but this one thing I do, he says, forgetting those things which are behind. This is not a generalized statement. Paul is not saying, well, you know, yesterday it wasn't a great day, but I'm looking for today and tomorrow to be much better. No, he is saying he provided us, if you recall, his resume and how impressive his resume was that he was a uh, of the tribe of Benjamin, circumcised the eighth day. He was a, a Pharisee of the Pharisees. And, and, and there was none compared to him concerning the keeping and understanding. He then comes to this conclusion that all of that means nothing, forgetting all of those things to which I once hoped would be my righteousness. He says, those are the things that I'm forgetting. It's not your yesterday in terms of, again, a failure or sin, or, or last year. No, he's talking about everything or anything to which I was hoping would present or provide me righteousness of which I could present to God one day. He says, those things I have forsaken, forgetting all of those things. He says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Notice this high calling. Why does he mention that high calling? Because again, he's not yet apprehended. He's not yet fully grasped this high calling of God in Jesus Christ, but his desire is to know Christ and to understand this high calling. So that is what Paul is saying. He goes on in verses 15 and 16 and stated, Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, as many as be mature, spiritually mature, be thus minded. Have the same mindset, he's saying. So if you are spiritually mature, then forsake all things you once clung to for righteousness and look only to Jesus and his sufficiency and pursue only and his righteousness. He goes on to say, and if anything, if any in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. So he says, if you are spiritually mature, he says, and you are pursuing after Christ and righteousness, where you are in error, guess what God will do? He will fix that. He's going to, he's going to teach you, he's going to correct you, he's going to instruct you and bring you to this mindset. Nevertheless, he says, where to we have already attained, so as far as we have come, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. So let us live according to the same principle, the same truth, and let us have the same mindset to follow after Jesus, to pursue after his righteousness. Meaning not that we are trying to measure up to his righteousness, but pursuing Christ is to pursue righteousness. So that's what Paul is making reference to. So Paul's confidence of God's continued instruction and correction was based as well, as we know, and we've already seen and discovered in this text, on his confidence that God would complete the work which he had begun. So Paul says, God's going to correct you. He's going to instruct you. He's going to teach you as you continue to pursue after him and after righteousness because 
chapter 1, verse 6, Paul said, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So until the return of our Lord, God the Father will continue this work that he has begun through the redemption he's provided us in Jesus. So this morning, we begin our study of the fifth and final division within this chapter, which consists of verses 17 through 21, as we've mentioned. Now, within this division, Paul exhorts the Philippian church to follow after his example of commitment to growing in the knowledge of Jesus Christ and to exercise discernment as well concerning others who followed Christ that they might recognize them in contrast to those who were deceivers and those who wanted to deceive. So Paul contrasted these who followed Christ and after his example and followed after Jesus with the reminder and warning as he concludes the chapter that there are many who are enemies of the cross of Jesus Christ. Let's look at verse 17. Paul says, Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as ye have us for and in sample. Paul's charge to be followers of him was in relation, obviously, to his pursuit after Christ. For Paul had previously stated, let's look again at verses 13 through 16, because this is very important, leading into verse 17. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereunto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. Brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an ensample. So Paul begins this division in a familiar manner when stating this first word he uses, this, this, this address, he says, brethren. I've often mentioned to you the importance of Paul using this term in his epistles. While we often view such a word as just a casual address or greeting, the truth is that there is much more significance than we often attribute to this greeting or to this, to this characterization than we might first recognize at first glance. For Paul to use this term was to include these to whom he wrote as fellow partakers in the grace and love of the Heavenly Father as also being children of God. Using such a term is only a reminder of the relationship that we share with one another because of, of the Lord Jesus Christ and God making us his children. But more importantly, it is a reminder of the relationship in which we have all been made to be partakers in Jesus Christ. Colossians 1.12 says, Giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. 2 Peter 1, 2 through 4. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. So notice he says, God's given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, the knowledge of God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he goes on to say, whereby are given unto us great, exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is So when we use the term brother, sister, when we speak in, that, in, in those 
manners, we need to recognize the weight and gravity of that which we actually are saying. Because what we're saying is we are acknowledging this individual as being a fellow partaker of the divine nature, a fellow partaker of the grace, the mercy, and the love of God in the person of Jesus Christ. So it should not be simply used as a casual greeting again, but we should be intentional. And we should appreciate, as we gather here this morning in this place, we should appreciate the fact that we have been made to be brothers and sisters, and therefore not look at this in a, in a casual manner, but uh, with appreciation for the work of grace and redemption God has provided in Jesus. We are to recognize and always remember that those who walk after Christ, those who follow after righteousness, are partakers of the same grace, of the same mercy, of the same love of our God as He has provided for us in the person of His Son, Jesus Christ. And we'll see further the importance of Paul's use of this reference in the following verses. But Paul says, he continues, Brethren, be followers together of me. Now, this is one passage one verse among many others, which we will consider, that many people seem to misunderstand at best or misrepresent totally at worst about following men. I've heard people make statements such as this. If Paul instructs to follow him, then there must not be anything wrong with following other men. There are, however, several things for us to consider regarding Paul's statement to follow him. But first, let's consider the actual passage in which Paul makes this statement or one similar to it. If you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, Paul stated this, Wherefore I beseech you, be ye followers of me. We go back to verse 17 of Philippians chapter 3. Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an ensample. Then if you were to look, for instance, at 1 Corinthians 11, 1, Paul says, be ye followers of me, even as I, as I also am of Christ. Then in 2 Thessalonians 3, 7, Paul says, For yourselves know how ye ought to follow us. And so when you, when you read these verses in which Paul makes such a statement, as he does in Philippians 3, 17, when he says, Be followers together of me, it's often been presented completely removed from its context again as one would say, okay, well, follow me. Paul said, follow me. And so you follow me because Paul says, follow him. And, and people get this idea or this mindset that we are to be man followers, that we are to find some man which we can follow after, and that's how we are to pattern our lives. But now I want to take you back, as you see in, in, the, in the presentation, I want to take you back and give you the context of every time Paul makes any reference to following him. And look at the importance of what he's actually saying. So if you go back to 1 Corinthians 4.16, he says, Wherefore I beseech you, be ye followers of me. But now let's go to chapter 4, verses 15 through 17. Let's look at verse 15, 16, and 17 together. Paul says, For though ye have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have ye not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Wherefore I beseech you, be ye followers of me. For this cause have I sent unto you Timotheus, who is my beloved son and my faithful and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways, which be in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church. 
let's stop for a moment. Paul says, follow me. But why was Paul saying that? Because, and there's more to say about this, who Paul is as an apostle as well. But notice, Paul is saying, not just follow me. No, he's saying, follow me. He says, there's many instructors, but I've begotten you in the faith through the gospel. God used me to bring the gospel to you, to establish you in the faith through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he says, and you should follow after me because I am going to teach you the same gospel, the same Jesus in all places. No matter where I go, it's the same message. He says again, bring you in remembrance my ways which be in Christ. So he says, Timothy is going to come to you to remind you of how I have instructed you in the way in which I am living, but my way is in Christ. And this is the way that I teach everywhere that I go. 1 Corinthians 11, 1 again, be ye followers of me, even as I also This statement is somewhat more clear than the previous. However, there's so much more which precedes it that provides a very important context to Paul's charge to follow me. 1 Corinthians 10, 31 through 11, 1. Wherefore, therefore, ye eat or drink, or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Give none offense, neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. Even as I please all men in all things, not seeking mine own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Paul is explaining... If you were to follow after me, I am following after Christ. Therefore, the pattern is being set before you physically, visibly. Because remember, Paul is speaking to Gentile churches who had no knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ apart from the gospel being proclaimed to them. And he is before them the living apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ who is now showing them the very way of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And so Paul is saying, follow me. But this is not an arrogant some, some pretentious statement that Paul makes. He's saying, he, he never isolates the statement, follow me. And that's what men like to do today. Oh, follow me. No, follow me, he says, by the way, the ways that I walk and teach are the ways of Christ. Follow me even as I follow Christ. Then if you look at 2 Thessalonians 3.7. Oh, and by the way, in that previous uh, example in 1 Corinthians 10, Paul is saying that he does all things that they are to do all things to the glory of God. They are not to seek personal profit and gain, but rather they are to serve as the Lord Jesus Christ served. And then he says, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am. 2 Thessalonians 3, 7. For yourselves know how ye ought to follow us. Within this verse, Paul declared that it should be that the believers at Thessalonica should follow him. They should know this. Yet once again, as we read the context, it becomes clear as to that which Paul refers. 2 Thessalonians 3, 6-9. Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly and not after the tradition which he received of us. For yourselves know how ye ought to follow us. For we behave not ourselves disorderly among you, neither did we eat any man's bread for naught, but wrought with labor and travail night and day, that we might not be chargeable to any of you. Not because we have not power, but to make ourselves an example unto you to follow us. Paul is saying, we have humbled ourselves to provide the example as did our Lord that you might follow after us in humility and in righteousness. Isn't it quite interesting? He says, it's not that we don't possess power. Paul is an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. And God used Paul and the other apostles to establish the church 
in the faith and to root and ground and settle them. And this is of tremendous significance. And Paul says it's not that we lack authority. It's not that we lack power. He says, but rather we walk humbly and submit ourselves after the order of Christ that you might have before you a fleshly, physical, visible, living example of what to follow after Jesus. Are you beginning to see this has been totally misconstrued and misrepresented by so many today? Every time Paul makes a statement or any like statement of follow me, it is without exception in relation to not only following Jesus, but the way of Christ himself, of which Paul was then providing an example in his own life. Paul further expounds upon the truth of what he was saying in each of these scriptures in which some form of this statement, follow me, is made. In Philippians 4, 8, and 9, just a chapter further up the road. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Look at verse 9 now. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. Is he saying, follow me? Well, in a sense, but what's he actually saying? Whatever things are pure, honest, of good report, virtuous, righteous, those things you are to think of, those things that you have seen exemplified in my life that I have taught you through the teaching of the Scriptures. He says, these are things that you are to do and the god of peace shall be with you not only is it important to understand the context of each passage in which paul charged others to follow him but also it is important to consider who paul was as i mentioned a moment ago and his role which the lord had given him concerning the gospel and establishment of the first century church and more specifically the gentile church ephesians 2, 19 through 22. Listen to what the scripture says concerning this. Paul says, Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God, through the Spirit. Then chapter 3, verse 1 and 6 and 7. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Remember, God had ordained Paul an apostle to the Gentiles, as Paul is explaining here in Ephesians chapter 2 and 3. And of course, this Gentile church constituted the New Testament church. And in doing so, by making or ordaining Paul to be this apostle, Paul and the other apostles were then used by the Lord to establish the doctrine of the Lord Jesus Christ within that New Testament Gentile church. And it was our Lord who administered and taught each of his apostles concerning the doctrine which they taught the church. And what's more is that this doctrine was all centered on and included nothing in addition to the teaching of Jesus Christ 
as he had taught his disciples. So again, when Paul says, follow me, this is not a man-centered tradition, religion that Paul is establishing. He is then validating such a command by explaining the surrounding verses as to why they are to follow after him. Because he is teaching them the way Christ. Paul explains to 19 through 22 again. In verse 20, he said, And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. So the church was built, this Gentile church was built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets and apostles, and Jesus himself being the chief cornerstone. Does that mean that we take a stand on Peter and Paul and James? Of course not. It means that Peter, James, Paul, others were used by the Lord to establish the doctrine of Christ within the church. And who was it who taught the apostles? It was Jesus himself. Now the word follow, interestingly enough, it means fellow imitator. And the question then we must ask, and which must be answered, is this. Who was Paul following, or what was Paul imitating? Because it means to be a fellow imitator. Paul was following Jesus. And just as Paul was following Jesus, we too are to follow Jesus. Paul is not calling us to follow men, but to follow Jesus and his truth. It's interesting as you look, and we'll see in just a moment, Paul says to Mark those as well that set the same example. And, and this has significance. He says, Mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. So Paul is saying, not only is it that you are to follow after me, but notice what he's saying here. Mark them. This statement further expounds upon the exhortation of Paul to follow me. Within the statement, Paul explains that it is not we are focused on following men, but we are to be attentive to and committed to the way. At the time of Paul's conversion, he had been committed to find those of this way and take them to Jerusalem as prisoners. In Acts chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, and you are pretty familiar with this passage, I'm sure. But Paul, the scripture says, in Saul, which is Paul, of course, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Jesus declared to his disciples in John 14, 6, if you recall with me, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. So Paul here says in verse 17 of Philippians 3, mark them, he, does, he says, brethren, follow after me. But then he says, mark them, which walk so as ye have for us for an example. So the verb mark means to look out for, to notice. Many times when we speak of being marked, especially within Scripture, it does carry at times a negative connotation to it. But in this case, it is saying to look out for and to be on notice concerning those who walk accordingly. So Paul is saying in reality, charging the Philippian church to be on the lookout for, to take notice of all those who were of the way. 
For all those who followed Christ with lives committed to the truth were examples to the church. Now this is important for several reasons. First of all, again, Paul is not setting up church of Paul. And he's not saying, just follow after me, and if you come to my church, you'll be at the best church there is. No, this is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul is saying, yes, I am setting before you the example, and yes, I'm going to teach you in the way. But then he says, on the look, or look, look out for those for Christ as well as do I. And be aware. Because here's what Paul is saying, and I think this is helping us to understand the significance of actually what he has said. Paul is saying, it's really not about me. This is not what any of this is about. Yes, I'm giving you the charge to follow me, but not because you need to be uh, disciples of Paul. But you need to be disciples of Christ. And he says, it's not about me and me alone, and I'm not the only one who's following after Jesus, but be on the lookout for all those who would follow after Christ. For all those of the same mind, those who are thus minded. Those who forget all that and forsake all that to which they once would cling to for righteousness and now see the superiority of Christ. Follow after those. So as you notice, while Paul is saying in verse 17, Philippians chapter 3, Brethren, be followers together of me. What Paul is actually saying is, be followers of Christ. And we see the context of that because Paul is saying, I am totally committed to pursuing after Christ and His righteousness. So if you, here I am as a living example of one who is following after Christ. And then it's interesting because Paul qualified that even further in Corinthians whenever he stated that they were to be followers of Him as even as I also am of Christ. So Paul then qualified that statement saying, oh, be followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. So as I am following Christ, then yes, follow after. So we are not to follow men, but we are to follow the doctrine which men who followed Jesus have left for us. And by the way, this is the tradition of which Paul wrote in 2 Thessalonians 2, 14 and 15. Whereunto he called you by our gospel the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. What are the traditions that he is speaking of here? Is he talking about, you know, having service at a certain time on a Sunday? Of course not. Is he talking about suits and ties? No, he's not. Is he talking about a certain type or style Music, not at all. What are the traditions? Well, I think for us to better understand and just to wrap this up this morning to understand what Paul is speaking of concerning following him, which is really to say to follow Christ, which is really to say walk in the way, <laughs> in this way, after God, in righteousness. Jude, in his exhortation, sums up all that Paul is saying in this passage. In Jude verses 3 and 4. If you've been with us on Wednesday nights, you're very familiar with these, these verses. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. 
God for one time and all time has delivered the faith. It is the entire doctrine and teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have been given this. It has been handed down. It has been solidified unto us. And then notice verse 4 of Jude's epistle. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness. Again, the word lasciviousness is licentiousness, or, or it's a license to sin, a freedom to sin, and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. So what is being said here? Jude is saying, sin for the faith, follow after Christ, follow after truth, live in this way. Why? Because there are many. Why? exhorting them to do so because there are many who creep in who desire to deceive the church and believers of the Lord Jesus Christ to deter them from Christ and to turn them to something else. So when Paul is saying, follow me, that's exactly what Paul is saying. The same as that which Jude is saying. Follow me, for here I am as an example before you after Christ. And all the traditions, the truth, traditions is not traditionalism, it is the truth which has been handed down to Let me just conclude with this. There is a difference between tradition and traditionalism. Just as there is a difference between fundamentals, fun, the fundamentals of the faith and fundamentalism. We understand it to be defined as such. Traditions, as biblically spoken of, would be the living faith of the dead who have gone before us. While traditionalism is the dead faith of those who live among us. So traditionalism has no life in it whatsoever, but tradition, truth does. And so let us as Paul, understand that we are to be absolute committed followers of Jesus Christ. To follow after His truth. To walk in His way. To walk in His truth. And to not be deceived. So when men say, follow me, well, Paul, if it, Paul could say it, then so can I. Well, here's what I would say. I'll only follow you as much as you are following Christ. And if you are not following Christ, then I have no interest in following after you at all. So let us follow, let us be committed followers of Jesus Christ. Let's stand together. Father, thank you again for the Word of God.